Welcome to You News, the podcast using the power of Univision to bring the news that matters to you in English. Today is Friday, October 16th. I'm Lorraine Cáceres. These are today's headlines. A new warning from the CDC that deaths from COVID-19 could top 240,000 by early November in the United States, while the patient in Seattle becomes the third person to be reinfected with the coronavirus here in this country. With 18 days until Election Day and with more than 17 million votes already cast, President Trump and former Vice President Joe Biden taking the stage at two very different town halls to make their case for who should take the White House. And a former top-ranking Mexican military officer arrested in Los Angeles over drug-related corruption charges as the White House gets tougher on battling drug trafficking in the U.S. Just 17 days until the final votes are cast and last night dueling town halls. President Trump and former Vice President Joe Biden both taking questions from voters amid worrying signs about the pandemic. Instead of a second debate, both candidates speaking about several issues on rival TV networks. Andrea Linares has a recap. President Trump and former Vice President Joe Biden faced off in dueling town halls, scheduled after Trump refused to participate in a virtual debate after his coronavirus diagnosis. Both had very different styles. NBC News' Savannah Guthrie hosted the president's town hall in Miami. It proved to be more contentious from the start, sparring over the coronavirus, a topic Trump tried to avoid when asked whether he was tested the day of the first debate. You know, if you ask the doctor, they'll give you a perfect answer, but yeah. they take a test and I leave and I go about so my you, business. So did you take a test on the day of the debate, I guess uh, is the I bottom line. I probably did, and I took a test the day before and the day before. The president also downplaying the Rose Garden event at the White House that may have infected him and others. Well, they do a lot of testing in the White House. They test everybody, including me, but they test everybody until people wear masks. But just the other day, they came out with a statement that 85 percent of the people that wear masks catch it. My view. Meanwhile, in Philadelphia, Biden's town hall, moderated by ABC News' George Stephanopoulos, was more laid back, with Stephanopoulos not pushing back aggressively. He missed enormous opportunities and kept saying things that weren't true. It's all going to go away like a miracle. He's still saying those things. Viewers were forced to jump between channels to hear the candidates. The president denounced white supremacist groups after failing to do so in the first debate, but then raising eyebrows, refusing to denounce the fringe conspiracy group QAnon, which believes the Democrats are a satanic pedophile ring that only Trump can stop. I know nothing about it. I do know they are very much against uh, pedophilia. They fight it very hard. But I know nothing about it. They believe you do know. I don't know. No, I don't know. I don't know. On the topic of the Supreme Court, Biden still refused to give a straight answer on whether he supports expanding the court. No matter what answer I gave you, if I say it, that's the headline tomorrow. It won't be about what's going on now, the improper way they're proceeding. But don't voters have a right to know where you they stand? They do have a right to know where they stand, and they'll have a right to know where I stand before they vote. So you'll come out with a clear position before Election Day? Yes, depending on how they handle this. You know, you Biden mostly provided long answers laying out his policy plans and said this about his involvement in the 1994 crime bill as a senator. 
Was it a mistake to support it? Yes, it was. But here's, the, here's where the mistake came. The mistake came in terms of what the states did locally. One of Biden's more awkward moments was when a young black student Sorry, asked why African-Americans should vote for him. Biden talked about economic opportunity and funding for higher education, but did not talk about racial justice issues. Iowa remains one of the most hotly contested states this election. In 2016, Trump won that state, but now his popularity has been waning there. And recent polls show a dead heat between him and Biden in Iowa. Many experts agree that Biden doesn't need to take Iowa to win, but Trump would need to win Iowa as well as Florida, Pennsylvania and Wisconsin to win re-election. In Miami, Florida, Andrea Linares, U News. Thank you, Andrea, for that. And now let's go to Edwin PT in Washington, D.C., with more reaction to these twin town halls. Edwin, the president seems to be pleased with his performance last night. How has his campaign reacted? Hi, Lorraine. I can tell you that President Trump's re-election campaign believes that last night in Miami, Trump did a fantastic job in a statement published in their website. They said President Trump soundly defeated NBC's Savannah Guthrie in her role as debate opponent and Joe Biden's surrogate. They continue by saying President Trump masterfully handled Guthrie's attack and interacted warmly and effectively with the voters in the room. Meanwhile, I can tell you, Lorraine, the Biden-Harris campaign continues to focus on a long list of virtual events to motivate voters to go out and exercise their right, either in person or by mail. It won't be until later in the evening when the ratings from last night's event will be known, but YouTube presented numbers regarding their audience. NBC's YouTube channel showed more than 153,000 viewers watching President Trump, while ABC News YouTube channel showed more than 507,000 viewers for Biden. It is important to know that all of this is happening while millions of Americans continue to vote early. Recent reports suggesting that more than 17 million ballots across 44 states and Washington, D.C. have already been cast in the 2020 presidential election. It is nothing but a stunning testament to what could be a historically high voter turnout, fueled, of course, by a series of state law changes that allow more mail-in balloting with the coronavirus pandemic still gripping the country. Now, today, both candidates continue to campaign in key states, Trump in Florida and Georgia, and Biden in Michigan. But the attention is now on the next week's second and last presidential debate scheduled to happen on the 22nd in Nashville, Tennessee. Biden is now saying that he will demand President Trump to take a COVID-19 test and for that test to come back negative before participating in the debate. But before going back to you, Lorraine, I would like to tell you that Nielsen uh, media just re, uh, released a very early report saying that last night 12.4 people saw Biden and 10 million saw President Trump. Back to you. Thank you, Edwin, for that report. And meanwhile, the Florida poll released today showed Democratic nominee Joe Biden with a slight lead over President Trump in what has shaped up to be a tight race in the crucial battleground state. A survey from Mason-Dixon found Biden received 48 percent support among likely voters compared to President Trump's 45 percent. The difference between the candidates fell within the four percentage point margin of error. Six percent of voters said they were undecided. In other election news, a Texas judge has struck down the governor's order limiting ballot drop boxes in the state. 
Governor Greg Abbott ordered that only one drop box be provided to each county. But Thursday, the judge ruled the order placed a huge burden on the right to vote and could increase the risk to exposure to COVID-19. The ruling was on a specific case focused on state law. Its impact is unclear because a federal appeals court upheld the governor's order earlier this week. The Texas attorney general has filed a notice of appeal against Thursday's ruling. And we're learning today that U.S. intelligence agencies warned the White House in 2019 that Russia was feeding misinformation to the president's attorney, Rudy Giuliani. That's according to a report from The Washington Post that relies on four formal officials as sources. The Post reports the Russian intelligence agency fed Rudy Giuliani the misinformation during a 2019 trip to Ukraine. He was trying to get dirt on Democrat Joe Biden and his son, Hunter, during that trip. President Trump was the intended recipient of the misinformation, and National Security Advisor Robert O'Brien warned him about it. That conversation reportedly happened while the U.S. House was trying to impeach President Trump. According to the Post's sources, Trump just shrugged and said, quote, that's Rudy. Across the country, coronavirus cases have increased by 20 percent. Experts now warning about a third peak of infections as we move into colder months. More cities reporting a record number of hospitalizations. And now a big supporter of the president speaking out about his own battle with COVID-19. Reaching 8 million cases of coronavirus, recording more than 63,000 cases on Thursday. We've got to get we've got to get these numbers down. Uh, and if this trend continues, our hospital capacity will be in jeopardy. Infections up nearly 20 percent across the country. And the CDC is now predicting the death toll could reach 240,000 by early next month. The virus hitting rural areas especially hard. Tennessee's health commissioner sounding the alarm. That has been very startling to me and the team over the last several days. Our death rate in rural population is double that in the urban population. Kentucky is one of at least seven states reporting record high hospitalizations. Everybody ought to be concerned and everybody ought to be doing the right thing. And those that are out there that try to confront you for wearing a mask or being a jerk, that's all they are. And they're putting your health at risk. The number of COVID-19 patients in the hospital in Indiana has jumped 25%. In Ohio, 28%. In Delaware, 30%. In Minnesota, 32%. And in Wisconsin, there are now more COVID-19 patients in the hospital now than ever. If there was a major car accident today in Green Bay, between all the hospitals, we wouldn't be able to take care of it. In Illinois, 4,015 new coronavirus cases reported Thursday alone, the highest one-day increase since the pandemic began. If you've been following the numbers here in Chicago, this is not a good week for COVID. And now in Seattle, researchers say a nursing home resident is the third known person in the U.S. to have been infected twice with coronavirus. The man is in his 60s and spent 40 days in the hospital in the spring before testing negative multiple times, only to get sick with COVID again five months later.
Dr. Anthony Fauci says even though shutting down the country is, quote, off the table, five measures can help curb infections, wearing masks, physical distancing, avoiding crowds, washing hands and opting for outdoor settings. Get down to the fundamental public health measures. The reason we're going up is that we haven't done that consistently. Meanwhile, one of President Trump's closest ally is now speaking out. Former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie revealing he spent seven days in the ICU with the virus, writing, I was wrong not to wear a mask at my multiple debate prep sessions with the president and the rest of the team. Every public official, regardless of party or position, should advocate for every American to wear a mask in public, appropriately socially distance, and to wash your hands frequently every day. In Georgia, COVID-19 restrictions mandating social distancing and limiting gatherings were extended until October 31st after expiring last night. Meanwhile, in Hawaii, officials are now lifting the mandatory 14-day quarantine for tourists if they can provide they tested negative for COVID-19. And in treatment news, the drug remdesivir has little or no effect on mortality for hospitalized COVID-19 patients, says the World Health Organization. A new study by the U.N. agency shows also that the antiviral doesn't seem to help patients recover faster. Remdesivir was the only drug with an emergency use authorization for COVID-19 from the U.S., Food and Drug Administration. A previous controlled study in the U.S. found that it shortened recovery time about a third in severely ill hospitalized adults. And a new study shows circulating air on airplanes is unlikely to spread coronavirus. The Department of Defense research concluded aircraft ventilation systems are effective at removing it from the air. But there are many caveats with the study. First, it used a mannequin wearing a mask and assumed all passengers were wearing masks and facing forward. Uh, on actual flights, passengers often move their heads and move uh, about in the aisles to the bathroom and other places where they can come into contact with the virus. The study also did not simulate what would happen if a passenger coughed or breathed directly onto another person. More of you news after this short break. Imagine a daily newscast that speaks to you about your world in plain English. Each weekday, we partner with Hispanic America's most trusted news source to bring you the stories from home and abroad that matter to you. They don't know when they're going to be able to go back to work. Victims also from Mexico and this mass shooting. Officials in and out of the residence. We're going to continue fighting. You News covers the news of your world and makes it easy to understand. Your News, your world, your news on Fusion. Welcome back to You News. Mexico's former defense minister has been detained by U.S. authorities in California. General Salvador Cienfuegos Cepeda was apprehended at Los Angeles International Airport on a warrant from the U.S. Drug Enforcement Administration. Cienfuegos Cepeda served as Mexico's defense minister from 2012 to 2018 under President Enrique Peña Nieto. Cienfuegos' arrest appears to be the first time a top-ranking Mexican military officer has been taken into custody as part of the ongoing fight against drug cartels. 
Amnesty International is calling for Chile's police force to be investigated for alleged human rights violations. The alleged offenses occurred during mass anti-government protests that started in October of 2019. According to an Amnesty International report, between October 18th and November 30th, Chilean police, quote, committed serious human rights violations. The report says officers violated protesters' right to personal integrity and that police leadership did not take the necessary measures to prevent these acts. Chilean police accused the report of omitting information and of containing inaccuracies. Meanwhile, further north, Colombia's borders officially remain closed, but the country's migration agency said Venezuelan migrants have started trickling back in via informal crossing points starting around a month ago. Officials say the number of Venezuelans seeking refuge in neighboring Colombia could reach about two million within three to five months once the border reopens as those migrants seek a better life. Thanks for listening to You News, the podcast. Don't forget to follow You News on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And if you haven't yet, go to your favorite podcast platform and subscribe, rate, and review. Join us tomorrow for a new episode. Until then.